This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. What a blessing this morning to have to be gathered through technology, all of us, and to hear the word of God. It's a privilege and it's an honor to be alive. It's not a right. It's a blessing from the Lord. It is he who has kept us and sustained us and given us the breath of life. And he deserves our worship. He deserves our thanksgiving. And so I believe it will be proper that uh, as we listen to this song, this song is on my heart. I woke up this morning and uh, all I felt, felt like hearing in my spirit is a song, I am amazed how he loved me. How he, and how... He paid for the precious price but with his blood that I could not pay. Amen. So I've asked the media team, I just give them a very short notice. I don't know whether they are ready, but as the song plays in the background, I want you to pray and thank God for life. Thank him that through Jesus Christ, you have a peaceful relationship with him. We are at peace with God. And I can tell you, if you are at peace with God, you surely are at peace. Because he has the power. I'm amazed how he loved me. Let us pray. Lift up your voice and thank the Lord. Bless his name. Count for blessings. Look at how many days the Lord has given you. Look at how he has delivered you from the evils that you committed. That should have resulted in your demise or in your total destruction. You know, some people went to do certain things that I don't want to mention on the screen. And you also did it. But somehow, some people went to do it once and it led to their death. It led to their the disruption of their lives. You want to do it and have been doing it even now that you are born again and still are safe. Well, it is the mercy of the Lord. It is of his mercy. That is why we are not yet consumed. So we want to say thank you, Heavenly Father, for such a time, for loving me how I am. Please, are you playing a song? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Or should I play it from my end? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Oh, yes, we bless you. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a bit of volume from the media team, please. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. That you love somebody like me. That you send your only begotten son Jesus to come and die for my sins. 
Do I mean that much to you? Oh, through the special blood of my Savior, I've been forgiven. My sins washed away and presented as righteous before you in Christ Jesus. Oh, oh yes, I bless your name. I'm amazed. I'm amazed of your love for me. That you cared for somebody like me. When I didn't even know what I needed. And when I was not able to even apply to set myself free, you paid the price for me. I honor you and I worship you. I give you praise. Thank you. I have failed you many times, many times. Even after knowing you and after receiving you, I can testify that I have failed you many times and yet you still love me. You still send forth your spirit to guide me, to deliver me. What love is this? I'm grateful. I thank you this morning. I praise you. With everything that is in with me, I say, Lord, be, may your name be exalted, be lifted up on high, above every situation of my life, as I give you thanks, as I praise you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Thank you. Because of you, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Because I know, I know that tomorrow is in your hands and you have the power for loving me the way you love me. I have no reason to be afraid of tomorrow. Oh, yes. I lift up your name and I exalt you. I bless you. I bless you. I thank you for a day like this. I just like me should stand and share your word. Oh, thank you for this precious blood that has made the difference. That has changed everything. Oh, yes, I thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This morning we open up to you. Cause us to hear. Cause us to hear. Cause us to see. Cause us to understand. Let it be used as an instrument for your blessing to humanity. May our life serve you. May our life be pleasing to you. May our life accomplish eternal works. Deliver us from the vanity of this life. Cause us to walk in your wisdom. Cause us to walk in your wisdom and in the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We thank you that today will be a different day in our life. Today will bring direction. Today will bring light. Today will bring understanding. Let it not be the word enticing words of man, but let it be in the demonstration of your power. Let us be. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence to guide us into the truth. Take of Jesus and reveal to us that which is for our lives, that we may walk in it and serve our God gladly, that he will supply every need of our lives to declare and to demonstrate his glory, his power 
in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we thank the Lord. And uh, last week I shared with you and I shared with myself what the Lord revealed to us. And that is serving God is not an option. It's not optional. Serving God is not optional. As a serving God is not optional, whether I like it or not. It's a must. It's a necessity. If we belong to God, we must serve him. Hallelujah. That is what makes him God in our lives. That is what makes him Lord of our lives. And through many deceptions and the last of the world, we have gradually and are gradually changing the gospel to something else. And you know, I want you to know something. I want you to know something or get this and get this clear. Your opinion, your opinion about life, it's not informed by the word of God. Let me say it again. Your opinion about life, if it's not informed by the word of God, then it doesn't matter. Your opinion is irrelevant. If it's not informed by the word of God, any other source of information that guides your opinion or with which you have your opinion is irrelevant. Because you see, have you, you cannot, when God says this, that is what will happen. Whether you think it should happen or not, it's irrelevant. What God says is what will happen. That is why the Bible says, who is it that saith a thing and it cometh to pass when the Lord has not said so? We may say what we want to say as human beings, but we will soon discover and probably it may be too late that our opinion is irrelevant. You can stand there and say there is no God. It doesn't bother God. It doesn't bother God. You can stand there and say there's no God. It doesn't bother him. You can stand there and say Jesus Christ is not the son of God. It doesn't change anything. What God is, who Christ is, is not determined by the majority view. No. It is what it is. God said of Jesus Christ, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. It's finished. You can go to whatever you want to do, say whatever you want to say. It's irrelevant what you say. And, and you know, the sad thing I have observed is the fact that all of us human beings come into this world with no information i.e. we are born empty. The information we have is the information that we have acquired on this earth whilst we have life and breath. Now, how can you 
stand on the information you have acquired that you didn't come with, that has been given to you here on earth, and use it to argue against the one who made everything. You know, I've been reading the Gospels. I've been reading the Gospels and I'm looking at the various things that are recorded as the works of Jesus Christ. And I realized that he is not God. But who he is? I mean, who is he? If he's not God, who is he? Because he had power over everything. He demonstrated his power over everything, over sickness, over demons, over the elements, the sea, everything. What he said is what happened. If he's not God, or whatever, if, you see, he demonstrated absolute power over creation. He demonstrated absolute power, not relative power, absolute power over creation. He must be God. Or he must be the creator, or he must be the one who controls everything. Because nothing could resist him, and nothing could oppose him. What he said is what happened. So, we, as Christians, believe that through Christ Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And we are reconciled to God. Then it is sad for us to be selective in what we choose and walk in regarding the words of Jesus, regarding his instructions, regarding his telling us what to do. Because that's what we do as Christians. We have selective belief. We believe that our sins through Christ Jesus, the precious blood, we are forgiven of our sins with God. And therefore, God would accept us into his bosom, into the place where he is, when our life here is over. We believe that through Christ Jesus, we have a relationship with God. And therefore, when we pray, he hears us. And so we bring before him our request daily. The things we desire to happen in our lives. But any other thing that Christ said in terms of how we should live our lives here on earth, most Christians don't obey. But you see, if there's any one thing that we can follow Jesus and walk in, if there's any one thing that we can follow Jesus and strive to walk in, is to obey God. Because in all the works and the works of Jesus, you see that his primary goal his primary goal is to obey God. To obey God at every cost. Now, if Jesus is the one we are following, 
And you see, the Bible says that Jesus, the life of Jesus, is the light of men. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. The life of Christ. The life that is in Christ is the light of man. And it says, the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not, or withstood it not. In other words, the life that is in life, which is the light of man, is the light, or, or it is that life by which men would overcome the darkness that is in this world. The darkness, the, the works of Satan that is in this world to separate us from our God who has created us. Now, this is very important. So, if we say we believe in Jesus as our Redeemer, as the one in whom we have forgiveness of our sins, as the one in whom we have received the righteousness of God, then we must believe in him in every way and everything that he said. And it is very important. So now, advancing my message today, we hear Jesus tell us that the greatest commandment when he was asked is to love the Lord our God with all our heart with all our soul, with all our might, with all our strength, everything about us is to love God with it. And he added the second one, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, many of us will say, how can I love God? How can I show to God that I love him? What can I do to demonstrate my love to God. Listen to me. God doesn't need anything. I'll put it this way. There's nothing I can do for God. There's nothing I can do for God. You see, my very existence is his work. My very existence is his work. So what can I do for him as a person? As a person, what can I do for him? Hallelujah. I can do nothing for him. I can do nothing for him. I can't give God a cup of tea. I can't give God transport money. I can't even pray for God. What can I do for God? I can't do anything for him. All that we are, belongs to him. So there's nothing we can do for God. Yet, how do we express our love for him? How do we express our love for him? 
We express our love for him when we love what belongs to him. That is within our reach. When we love what he loves. So the com- that is why Jesus did not separate the commandment of loving God from the second commandment of loving our neighbor. Because you can't love God without loving your neighbor. And you can only express your love for God when you love your neighbor. Because your neighbor belongs to God. I said your neighbor belongs to God. Your neighbor, whether a sinner, in other words, whether the person is born again or not born again, remember, everything belongs to God. And everything is precious to God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Not some tribes, not some people. He loved the world. The world is made up of sinners and wicked humanity and the works of humanity. But still, he loved the world. And he does not. The Bible says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. But not willing that any should perish his long suffering. In other words, he is patient, giving everybody an opportunity to have but his long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Therefore, my expression of my absolute love for God is when I demonstrate and give myself to love one another. Hallelujah. And give myself to love one another. So loving one another is not a question of choice. It's a necessity. Because it is in one another that we serve God. I said it is in one another that we serve God. But unfortunately, the society we live in and the evil that is in the world is driving us to selfishness, a selfishness A1. Or selfishness at its best. Where if it is good for me, I don't care about anybody else. My life is about me. Me, myself, and I. The trinity of me, myself, and I. Everything is about us. It doesn't matter how it impacts on the neighbor what I do. As long as I am happy with it, it's okay. Listen, the world will set the standard, but not so with God. The world will set the standard, but not so with God. Because God expects you to serve him in loving your neighbor, in walking in absolute love towards one another. Hallelujah. So last week, I explained that if that is the case, how is it possible? Or how is this possible? How is this possible? And I went on to explain that, you see, 
the commandment to love God. And to love our neighbor. It's a commandment that cannot be obeyed in the flesh. Because the Bible tells us that the flesh, the carnal nature, does not obey God. I think Romans chapter 8 or so. It says the carnal nature is enmity with God. Verse 7, Romans 8, 7. It says because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Maybe you can give me in the amplified version so that it's well amplified to our understanding. So, the point I'm making here is that your goal, your goal becomes, you will say that I'm a true Christian and therefore the goal of my life is to obey God, which is in two commandments, love God and express that love in my neighbor. Now, you cannot love God in your carnal state. No. You cannot love God and therefore love your neighbor in your carnal because the carnal state is, is selfish at its best. The carnal state is selfish at its best. From the day it enters the world, the day it goes out of this world, it is selfish. So therefore, it cannot love anybody. And therefore, neither can it love God. Romans 8, 7 says, the mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuit is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot it does not and it cannot. So to, to serve God and to obey God calls on us to develop that which God has birthed in us, which is your spirit, my spirit, as a born-again Christian. You see, the, the, the doctrine of being born again is to make significant, is to make us aware that our faith in Jesus Christ has brought into us a reborn spirit that desires attention. That, that is the channel by which we can serve and obey God. We can never serve and obey God with our flesh. So for a Christian to neglect the development of your spirit, and therefore, your spiritual life is actually to neglect the grace that is provided for you to obey God. I said, for a Christian to neglect the development, the growth of your spiritual life, 
the growth of your spirit is to actually neglect or to despise the help that God has given to you to do what he has asked you to do. Because by our spirit, through the provision, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of God in us, we serve God and obey him. Hallelujah. So it is very important for us as Christians never to neglect the growth and the development of our spirits and therefore our spiritual life. Now, this is the point of attack. I said this is the point at which Satan is working to stop every Christian from becoming what he could become, an obedient child of God. And it is from your spirit that you become a blessing to other people. You cannot love a neighbor with your carnal nature. No. You cannot love your neighbor with you because the carnal nature is selfish. The carnal nature lives for itself. The carnal nature has a God as itself. It does not care about anybody. It only cares about somebody when it will benefit the carnal nature. Yes, yes. It cares about somebody when it will benefit the carnal nature. Therefore, developing our spirit through the help of the Holy Spirit is the provision of God for our lives to obey him. That is the grace. That is the unmerited favor that we have from God. That is the promise he made to us in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. That in that day, I will take away from you the stony heart and give you the heart of flesh. They say, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the stony heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27. They say, and I will put my spirit, the Holy Spirit, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Listen, let not anybody deceive us. Let's not preachers of material prosperity deceive us. Because the uselessness of all those things is revealed by death. Most of us are not thinkers. That's why when we go to the house of mourning, we don't reflect on what has happened. Most of us don't think deep. But I pray for you that you will see what you need to see and hear what you need to hear anytime they tell you somebody's dead and receive counsel. And receive counsel. 
that by which you will live your life and order your steps. So, listen. Developing your spirit is essential. I said, developing your spirit is essential. Jesus himself said, for now, the time come when you shall neither worship in Jerusalem or in any other place, but you shall worship God in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such, it is your spirit in which, by which you worship God. Amen. So listen, we as a church are learning about the being wise. The, the, this year, our prophetic word is to be wise as serpent and harmless as dove. So as we learn of the wisdom and understand the serpent, how he survived and is still surviving and increasing and being successful, God will reveal to us the wisdom we need to overcome the hindrances and the obstacles that is in this world. That will prevent us from developing our spirits in order to obey God. Hallelujah. The love that we are commanded to walk in, listen, the love that we are commanded to walk in is going to come from our spirit. Because Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. 22. The first thing we see when the Holy Spirit has had its work in us, the fruit that comes out of our life, the first thing we see is love. I said, the first thing we see is love. So if you want to be a person who supplies love to others, the key is to allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to work in you. Not work in others, work in you. Most husbands and wives always are fighting. Lord, change him. Listen. You should start praying. Lord, change me. Me, me. Because I tell you, when you are changed, the marriage will be peace. I said, when you are changed by the, by the Lord, the thing that irritates you will no longer irritate you. The thing that you cannot stand, all of a sudden you begin to have mercy and compassion. All of a sudden you begin to overlook. And the same person that is so, you can't stand, you are irritated by the person. All of a sudden you begin to realize that the person is a good person. You don't see the person's faults. You see only the good in the person. Yeah, when you change, 
Yes. When you change. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm trying to show you that what I'm preaching to you, I'm not preaching theory, but I'm showing you in the word of God that the commandment, you see, unless your goal of this life is not to obey God, but me, my prayer, and my goal of my life is to obey God. That's the goal of my life. I may be struggling, but that is, you see, that you have a goal doesn't mean you will not struggle. But that you have a goal helps you to see clearly where you are and where you are not. And the goal of my life is to, is to obey God, is to love him. I may be approaching it slowly, but I know I'll get there. That it is in my heart to obey God is enough before God. And he judges me by the actions I take. And I'm showing you the goal of your life and the goal of your life should be to obey God because Christ came to teach us and to show us the way of life which is to obey God because he obeyed God in all his ways. Even when it will cost him his life, he still obeyed God. Therefore, if we are followers of Christ, I said, if we are followers of Christ, then we should also follow him in how he lived. And he obeyed God. And therefore, obeying God should be the goal of our lives. Not acquisition of wealth. Not acquisition of other things. No. Obeying God should be the goal of our lives. And to obey God, it would have to come from our spirit, not our flesh. Because the command that we have to obey is to love God and love our neighbor. Now, love is the fruit of the spirit. So you cannot get the fruit of the spirit in the flesh and walking in the flesh. No. The works of the flesh are manifest, are this. Fornication, adultery, wickedness, and those, those are the works of the flesh. But the fruit of the spirit... I said, the fruit of the spirit is love. It's love. And that is what I want. I don't know about you, but that should be what you also want. And my prayer for you is that God will help you to see what I see. And to give you the strength to pursue with wisdom the goal of loving him. Hallelujah. So, listen. Now, the obstacle, the main problem we have, which Satan is fighting us with, is not to give time and attention to, to, to developing our spirit. It's not to give time and attention to developing our spirit. And listen, let me tell you something. You see, you hear me preach and I tell you what to do. But what you need to do, you cannot do it yourself. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the work 
of the spirit. The changes that must occur in you. The fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and all those things is the work of the Holy Spirit. Your contribution is to make yourself available. I said your contribution is to make yourself available. Your contribution is not to make yourself available sparingly. Here and there. No, here and there doesn't work. The deception of Satan and its success is the brainwashing that working with God is only a Sunday thing. And I'm here to tell you that working with God is, is a lifetime thing. It's morning to evening. Day and night. All the days of your life. The cost to you is your whole life. I said, the cost to you is your whole life. Many of us don't interact with the Holy Spirit, His words enough. We don't interact. That, that's, that's, that's where the problem is. The problem is we don't interact with the Holy Spirit enough. The Bible says who has woes and who has sorrows? It is they that carry not they that just pass by shortly. It is they that carry long at the wine. You see, the wine's ability to bring you woes and sorrows is dependent on you carrying long. That is why Jesus said, he said, who has woes and who has sorrow? Who has contentions and who has babbling? Who has wounds without a cause? Who has readiness of eyes? Verse 30. They that carry long, not carry short. They that carry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Yes. You can put it in Amplify for me. Who has woes? Who has sorrows? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without a cause? Who has red eyes and dim? Those who linger long over the wine. Those who linger long over the wine. That is why, listen, that is why Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1 when he was leaving them that they should tarry he didn't say they should just pass around. He said they should tarry in Jerusalem. They should not go anywhere. 
They should carry. But wait. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he have heard of me. And that is exactly what they did. You can't always be very busy. Some of us are so busy. And you see, the reason why we don't have time. Or put it this way. The reason why we don't make time is a series of things. It's a series of things. Some of us don't make time. Because we have no value that anything that is from God would have a price and it will cost you to have it. If Jesus advised us not to cast our pearls before swine, he said, cast not your pearls before swine. Otherwise, they will trample upon it and then turn and attack you. Now, if Jesus advised us not to cast our pearls, Tells before swine, then in the same way, God will not give to you what you need if you are not prepared to wait on Him. He said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample on them and under their feet and turn again and rend you. Don't give what is valuable to some to somebody who doesn't know the value of it. I said, don't give what will not give to you what you don't value. Because he sees you, he watches you. The things you value, you make time for. I said, the things you value, you make time for. Don't, don't, don't start. Don't let me start giving examples. Don't, don't, don't start. Just let's, 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 don't, don't, don't say, ah, but Bishop, what, what do I value? Listen, don't start. You know it. Uh, please, please, keep quiet. You say what? Your work. If I look at you and you know I know you, it's not only your work that takes all your time. You know it. I said, you know it. So stop, stop that nonsense. I say, Lord Bishop, I'm busy at work. You are busy at work. But you, in spite of your busy work schedule, so-called busy work schedule, you still have time for other things. You still have time for other things. Why do you think the government has imposed a curfew? Why do you think the government has imposed a curfew? When he knows most workplaces is from eight to five. So why do you think the government has imposed a curfew as a way of controlling the spread of the coronavirus? When he knows that the majority of the workplaces is from 8 to 5. What is the need for a curfew at 11? If people are at home by 5 or by 7. But he knows that the same people I said, the same people that are at work from 8 to 5 have a, a night life that goes beyond 11 p.m. So stop that, what you are saying, I'm, I'm, I'm busy at work and all the stuff that, stop that. Stop that. Don't, don't, you know it's not true. And you see, that is what Satan has deceived us. Not to value 
the cost of having what we need. And has put in our hearts that desires that draws our everything. But you see, the wisdom of the serpent, which is manifested in his contentment, he eats only what is necessary. He doesn't eat for leisure. I said he doesn't eat for leisure. He eats what he needs because he has understood that going out to look for food is, is, is the same as exposing yourself to danger. But we human beings have not that contentment. I said we human beings full of the flesh and the ways of the carnal nature and the love and the lust and the pride of life are never content. So the, our lack of contentment is making us not able to make time to serve God or not making time to even be with God and be with what would bring in us what we need. Some of us are, I want to call it a handicap. The snake also has a handicap. Some of us are lazy. Well, you see, I'm not lazy by nature, so I may not understand your laziness. But out of compassion, I want to assume and maybe call your laziness a handicap. The wisdom of the snake is that they are masters overcoming handicaps. You are lazy. You see, the only reason why you worship laziness and you don't see what laziness is doing to you is because you have not taken time to read about laziness and the effect of laziness. And your laziness is manifested in your ability to render excuse. But you see, what you don't understand is that having an excuse does not exempt you from the consequences of what you did or what you didn't do. Some, you see, listen, as I'm here now, if I'm very thirsty and I see a bottle in front of me with clear looking water, but the bottle is labeled poison. Now, if I take it and drink it with the excuse that I'm very thirsty, it is not going to stop the poison from doing what poisons do to the human body. So that I have a reason does not exempt me from the consequences of my error. And that is what I've learned that people feel that because I have a reason, I must be exempted from the consequences that is to come. Listen, listen. The consequences follow. Having a reason or no, not having a reason does not exempt you from the consequences. So let's, let's face laziness head on. I said, let's face laziness head on. Read it from the Bible. Type in laziness or lazy. 
And let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord and other people that have wisdom say about laziness. And see whether you still want to be lazy. And see whether you still want to give excuses. You realize that the things you don't want to do, you make excuses. The things you want to do, you find a way to do it, them. So listen, listen, I'm explaining to you that if your goal is to obey God, which is to love him and love your neighbor as yourself, then I submit to you that the channel, the root of that is through your spirit. It's the Holy Spirit works in you. It's not your work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. But your role is to submit yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit by being long with him and allowing him, interacting with him, thinking about his words, thinking about his, his, the messages you hear. Most of us don't listen to preaching. The only preaching we hear is Sunday morning. But I pray for you that it will change. You'll have time to listen to all sorts of radio arguments of people who don't know their left from their right and presenting cases and things. That's, that's what you have time for. As a Christian, I'm speaking to you as a Christian. I'm not speaking to you as an unbeliever. As an unbeliever, I can understand. Because the goal of an unbeliever's life is, is uselessness. Yeah, the goal of an unbeliever's life is useless. But you, as a believer, having received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the goal of your life is clear to love God and to serve him. And you do that by the help that he has given you. And that is the new spirit that is born in you and his spirit that is within you. And that is possible through making time. You see, Jesus speak a parable in Matthew chapter 13. He said, I'm trying to, I'm not sharing my ideas with you. I'm just going through the scriptures to show you that this is the way. Walk ye in it, and it shall be well with you. That is my duty as a priest. The priest's lips is to be a source of knowledge, a source of understanding, a source of guidance. In closing, I read to you Matthew chapter 13. The Bible tells us that Jesus said many parables. Hallelujah. Blessed Holy Spirit. There are many parables Jesus said. One of them is the parable of the man who found a treasure. Who found a treasure. And when he has found a treasure in a field, he goeth to sell all that he had and buy the field. 
Yeah. That's a cost. It's a treasure, but it has a price. To have it, you must pay the price. You have to deny. You see, Jesus said, whosoever does not deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of the price of having me. He's not worthy. The same place he told the same parable, he said it in another way, a man finds a pearl. And the Bible says, he says, he goes to sell all that he has. I say, everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. And don't believe any preacher, any pastor who keeps on telling you lies. I prophesy unto you, your life is going to be like this. You're like, you see, after the prophecy, there's a lot of work to be done. I said, after the prophecy, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of doors that must be shut in your life. And many of us, you see, many of us are not concerned about what God is concerned about for us. But I pray that you will pay the price. And don't be deceived, though. Don't be deceived. Look, I can stand here and shout and say all, all the declarations that I need to do. If you don't get down to the job, the job of time with the Holy Spirit, time with the Word of God, time in prayer and understanding how to pray, what to pray about, what to say, and all those things. If you don't get down to the job, none of the blessings that are meant for your life would materialize. And it will be your fault. It will not be God's fault. It will be your fault. I said it will be your fault. But I pray the mercy of God to find you that today as you have heard, you see, if there's anything, or if Corona is doing nothing to us, coronavirus is showing us in our in our time the truth about the vanity of this life. So, coronavirus has come to turn everything we valued upside down. Oh yes, once upon a time we thought the only thing the the, the only thing to do. Church is when you gather people. Where are you gathering the people now? Many things have changed. I said many things have changed. And it's still changing. We don't know what is next to come. But you see, we are wise. We need to examine ourselves. Like Paul said, and I think I think 2 Corinthians 10 also, say, examine yourself. Examine yourself. We need to examine ourselves and say, am I a Christian? Am I a believer in Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ the one I'm following? Do I believe what he says? Where is the evidence if I believe that Jesus Christ is the light of life? Where is the evidence when I say Jesus is the Lord of my life. 
Let's be honest with ourselves. Listen, lying is of the devil. And there are different grades. Lying to yourself or rejecting the truth to yourself is the most evil thing you can do to yourself. Even if you don't tell me the truth, at least tell yourself the truth. Because if you tell yourself a lie, you will walk in a lie. You see, if you tell me a lie, I would walk in your lies that you have told me. And it may or may not hurt you. But if you tell yourself a lie by rejecting the truth that is obvious with reasons, explanations, and all those things, it will hurt you. I said it will hurt you. So tell yourself the truth. Examine yourself and say, am I a believer in Jesus Christ? Where is the, if the evidence of my belief? Because John said, or uh, uh, James said, James chapter 2, James said, show me your faith and I will show you my faith by my works, by my actions. I will show you my faith by my actions, by my works. My prayer for you is that your works, your actions will truly reflect your confessions. What you say you believe will be parallel, will be congruent, will be corresponding to your actions. A Christian who doesn't pray when God said men always ought to pray. Is that not what Jesus said? What does Jesus know about life here on earth for him to say men always ought to pray? You don't talk to your father, the supplier of all that you need, the protector, the deliverer, the helper, the wisdom that you need. My prayer for you and for myself is we will be true followers of Jesus, not in name of a church, but in our everything. We will seek to, the goal of our lives should be to obey his commandment. And that will set a chain of steps in our lives that will lead to giving attention to the grace of God that is provided for our lives. The grace of a reborn spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. And our lives will never be the same. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Our sufficiency is of you. Lord, in many things, we have gone wrong and have not walked according to the wisdom that you have provided us in your word and in your person 
of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But today, Lord, by the help of your Holy Spirit in us, we desire to walk in the right direction. We desire to carry long at your word. We desire to invest in helps that allows us to know and understand your word. We desire to do things that allows your spirit to work in us. That he will bear fruit, fruit of love, that we will be able to obey you, to love you, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. For in our carnal nature, dwelleth no good thing, and therefore cannot obey you. But the spirit that you have given to us, that's your spirit that is in us, and our spirit that is reborn, have what it takes to obey you. Therefore, we focus our attention on them. We give our energy, we give our time to that which brings growth. Your word says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The milk of your word, Lord, is what we would desire. And we will make every effort to have it in us that we will grow by it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this help in the name of Jesus. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I need you to know something. God is the giver of life. And at an appointed time, he would ask of it. It doesn't matter what you think. And it doesn't matter what you say. Make all the declarations that you want to make. God will still be God. Because he is God by himself. His being God is not dependent on your approval. You are wise to submit to him now that you have life. And now that you can make changes. Work your way to have peace with God. By receiving the one he has sent to us. That's the way to him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Therefore, today, as you hear God's word, and as you hear this opportunity to, to have a relationship with God by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, as the way through which God as ordained that men would approach him. Receive it as such. Don't say that Jesus is the imagination of white people. No. Jesus proved himself to be God with us by dominating everything that he has created. Believe him now so that you would have a relationship with God. Through Jesus, you will receive forgiveness of your sins. Because the wages of sin is death. But because of his death on the cross, he represented you as you receive him as your Lord and Savior. 
Say this prayer with me if this is your decision. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a day like this. I know that my life belongs to you and that my life is in your hands. What you say is what will happen. Lord, for so long, I have rebelled against your authority. But today I come to submit to you as my God and to obey you the rest of my life. I receive Jesus Christ as the way to you. And I believe in him as your son who came to die for my sins. His blood that was shed on the cross is for the forgiveness of my sins. I receive it as such. And I believe that he rose again on the third day, seated at your right hand. By this prayer, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I confess you as Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for your blood that was shed for my sins. From today, baptize me with your Holy Spirit that I may live the life that is pleasing to my God through you. In your name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platforms.